0: Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all of the different corporate operations it takes to build, sell, price, value. Uh, Today, I have Stephen Amiel. I am one of Stephen's clients, so full disclosure, uh, Steve runs a a digital marketing group right now. Uh, Stephen, welcome.
1: Hi there. Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: And so Steve has been doing a great job with me because of something that I want to start talking about a little bit into this. But Steve, tell people about your business right now, SD Media, and, and what you do and how you help your clients.
1: Sure. Thank you. Um, SD Media is a company that helps their clients improve the way that they sell and market by doing a great job of understanding their objectives. Their business and finding alternative marketing techniques to help drive their messaging and their conversions through alternative channels besides just Google and Facebook, which all come from understanding their business and business goals and outcomes.
0: So, Steve, how can people get a hold of you?
1: Well, they could go to our website at uh, sdmediagrp.com. They could reach me directly at 646-522-1447 or just Stephen at com. Great.
0: Thanks, Steve. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is the importance of understanding your customer's business and understanding your customer's world. So you've had... Before you were in this digital marketing, tell us about your approach and your key to success.
1: Well, you know, my history is pretty simple. I started in the print business at a time when printing was still an art and in New York city with all the big agencies, you know, there was no such thing as Midwest or, or China competition. And then over the next 10, 15 years, technology and printing became so good that there was parity now between a Midwest Cornhusker that was operating a press and a New York pressman. And so how can you substantiate the prices that you're charging, right, when other people can now produce the work just as well? And so it was at that point that I realized I needed to do more to sell my services to my clients than just the printed page and getting it delivered. And bottom line, what has occurred is that parity today in in all industries is price, quality, and service. You have to have all three. You know, the old days, we used to laugh, oh, quality, price, service, pick any two. But as companies got much better at uh, their supply chains, their workflows, their realization that they could buy printing almost anywhere, and that's when I realized that there was a real distinction between a valuable vendor and an invaluable vendor. Someone that is credible and someone that's incredible. Here's my example. My client, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, they bought so much printing. It was over $100, $150 million a year that there were five vendors, we all had our cards, we can get into FISA, They, they gave us office space because the work was coming so hard and fast. But then as they got much more adept at purchasing, pricing became that much more pressurized. And I started to take a look at what was beyond print, which was digital. What was the next step in communicating? It was digital. And then how could I, look at the problems that Pfizer was having with the material we were producing and now sell the next level of solution. For instance, what happened when a new drug was released, it was always a mad dash to how fast could they get printed material into the hands of high prescribing doctors. And once I saw that the way that they were currently doing it took six weeks, And the economics was simple. A blockbuster drug like Viagra was worth literally millions of dollars a day. Every day it didn't get into their hands. Those were lost revenue dollars. So we came up with in understanding that a digital environment that allowed Pfizer with all their 12,000 reps to go quickly online and create the materials for those specific doctors and get it into their hands within five days instead of six weeks.
0: Yeah, you know, Steve, I'm gonna politely disagree that you weren't solving a sales and marketing problem, but it was Pfizer's business problem that you were solving. You've understood the customer's business context and how to improve the business. What an innovation
1: it was great because over that period of time of the seven years of that program during that period the number of vendors went down from five to three the amount of printing was reduced by three quarters and i created the path by helping my print buyer see a better result they could bring to marketing He became my coach. He became my level of credibility within the organization of people I didn't know to expand my reach and provide better solutions to their marketing issues or business issues.
0: Yeah. You know, Steve, you did something else. You became his credibility. Yes. You made him the hero of solving a business problem in a completely new way. And yeah, he he was your he was your entree into a lot. but the only reason I think he introduced you to all those people is because you were making him a hero.
1: Totally. It's the only reason why. and he felt I was credible enough to do so without hurting him. So again, that's where I became invaluable because I brought something to the organization that they didn't have before. I improved that business or sales and marketing process and got invited to the decision-making table where now I had control over my future instead of being at effect of the growing, you know, movement towards digital and the declinement of, of print. I made that change very purposefully. I went through some pain because I had to now start to learn. What my clients' business were, I had to, or was I had to start to learn about database marketing and, and digital, and begin to see where I could bring the two together and provide a benefit.
0: Yeah. So, Steve, I want to call a pause in the story yes. in the narrative, because it's easy in retrospect to say, "Hey, I just I had to understand my customer's business, and so I came up with this an innovative idea." What did you do to stop the selling and start the investigation, the forensic exercise of understanding your customer's business?
1: Well, I took, that's a good question. And there were three industries that I made that my mission. One was retail, one was fintech, and the third was was healthcare. Those were the, the bases that I chose. And so what did I do? I immersed myself in those industries, in their trade publications, you know how many healthcare symposiums that I've gone to? Not because I cared about what was happening, you know, for the new regulations next year of how they could market. It was to meet the marketers, to be in the same rooms with them, with their keynote speakers, where I would share and raise my hand and I would infuse some of my thinking and my perspective how a digital impact could could also be something that would be useful. The fact is, to be an invaluable vendor, you have to learn the business. So I get their trade pubs, I'm reading, I'm also sharing content. I'm not just consuming it, I'm sending things, hey, I thought you might've found this to be interesting. And Mark, you and I spoke about the biggest LinkedIn mistake I've ever seen in my life all these wonderful programs connect. We're gonna connect, Oh, we've connected because we're alike in this industry together. Woo! it's great. Now tell me all your, your deepest, darkest secrets. Forget you, I ain't doing that. But you go, hey, I just read an interesting article about oil prices that are now at about 40 bucks a gallon. And your product is 35% made out of petroleum How is that gonna impact your business this year with all that extra money that you'll you'll be making? Are you gonna look to expand in distribution? Are you gonna be marketing more? So I'm now engaging them in a question. Either way, I'm establishing my credibility as someone worth chatting.
0: Yeah, you know, even in sales, we tell people that just make sure that people know, like, and trust you. It's almost like one word, no like and trust it's nice that they know you it's decent that they like you it's imperative that they trust you stop putting trust on equal billing with no and like because credibility is the coin of the realm people can't just get into a a customer with whiskey and tickets and dinners or lunches or even just hanging out in their vendor lobby they have to trust that you're going to bring something to the table a differentiation that makes you different, Uh, a bigger vision. You're a supplier, you're a trusted supplier.
1: Your thoughts? I don't want to necessarily make it more complicated to the degree that I did, but let's take it to a simpler solution of a friend of mine. This wasn't my solution. He he worked for a printing company that ultimately I, I did some consulting for, and they were a big packaging company. That's what they did. And packaging was very, very competitive, all the stuff going into the Walmarts, et cetera. And what they did was they took the time and effort to build a database of every big box store in the US and what types of pallets and delivery instructions were necessary. Do you have any idea of how much business and contractual work they received because of that, that simple? solution the pain that took off of everybody and i know what it's like because i've been hit with the two thousand dollar charge having to have new four-way pallets put on so i know what it's like and now to be late for a promotion that's starting in a store not not great Right.
0: You know, what a great insight that there are so many ways to differentiate. You sold printing, which seems to the outside eye like kind of commodity, and you're selling digital marketing, which seems to outsiders like a commodity. I sold money. You and I have sold some pretty commodity commodities, my friend. And we each found ways to understand the customer's business so that when we structured our offer it had differentiation
1: and listen by the way these, these things happen i once had a rush job for ibm we printed it was a five million of these little library things for the pc when it first came out and it was super rushed job and uh we had to get i think 50 samples up to all the vps and senior vps at ibm and apparently one of the books the cover was upside down and so for the next two weeks in Boca Raton and Peoria, Illinois, I had a staff of 10 people going through every book. Oh. <laughs> so it happens. Yeah. So, you know, hey, How do you respond in a breakdown? There's another issue. You know, how do you, how do you show up in the face of a breakdown with a client? Boy,
0: what a learning that somebody told us that, our responsiveness and our honesty and our standing behind our product is worth a 20% price premium to them.
1: I mean, do you think it was worthwhile that for the launch of, and it happened to have been Viagra, they had uh, almost 10,000 of their reps at one of their POAs in, in, in Palm Springs waiting for our material that got printed three times because the FDA during the week that it was being printed made it to be changed and reprinted over and over again. And on a Friday night, we got a jet, right? We hired a private jet to get the material there for Sunday morning because there were no flights going into Palm Springs Wow. morning. So the point is, be the best or know who you are in the sales process one of the biggest problems with salespeople is they sell to people that will listen to them instead of selling to the best types of people that will buy from them ah oh, what I, I wanted to
0: get to that now that what a perfect segue okay. we sell to people we're comfortable to not even all the people that come and contact our product and we're really uncomfortable talking to that person who is ultimately responsible for signing off on our deal, right? It's $50,000 worth of printing. And we're talking to people uh, that we're comfortable talking with who have purchasing authority for 500 bucks. <laughs> yeah, Right. And so we, we were afraid to talk to that person. And in your case, over and over you proved that you are this reliable supplier. We will hire a jet to get you that stuff. Um, And you're solving a problem that a person above that $50,000 signing level, you know, the, the CEO cares about that because as you said, every day of revenue lost is millions of dollars. That's something that the people you're comfortable talking with barely care about. The person who's at signature level cares about it, but the CEO has to, every quarter, he has to have an investor call where he explains why he missed seven days at $10 million a day.
1: That's correct. That is 100% correct. Now, I, could, I can't say that necessarily Bill Steer, at the time, who was CEO of Pfizer, was aware of all the wonderful things that, that we were doing, but I could tell you this, he knew who I was and when I would see him in the hall, he'd always give me a hearty hand clasp. So I know that there was an awareness um, of what we were doing, And I think it's so important, you know, when we speak about knowing where you're going to shine, not everything I sold was right for everybody. And you have to align what type of company you are with the type of company you're selling to. And I learned there are three kinds of companies. There's the Amazon, there's the apples of the world that are innovators. And everybody wants part of that as soon as it comes out, they'll pay anything for a phone or their products. Then you have like the Neiman Marcuses and the Nostrums of the world that listen, we're not the most innovative, but we give you great service, so we're gonna charge you a little bit more, and that's okay. And then you have the Walmarts that are, we are so efficient at our, our supply chain that we are genuinely the least expensive. So if I'm a supplier that's used to being open on weekends to charge for overtime to meet stupid deadlines on a job that's a $20,000 job I could charge 60 grand for, what am I doing trying to reach a Walmart buyer to sell them a million flyers or countercards? Yeah. It's a waste of time. So. Yeah. So for, both, it, for both parties, it is so absolutely is so important in in my management years of twenty five percent of the time. Why are you spending time with this person? Why do you keep taking him out to lunch?
0: Yeah, or, or conversely, you know, that's I, I think you're absolutely right, Steve. Is you have to choose who to talk to, which means who not to talk to. But if if you have a shot. Uh, The example I give is if you're the salesperson for Gorilla Glass, which is the glass that goes on the front of a smartphone. Yes. Right? And you're selling to Samsung, who is that technology leader, you are going to sell, um, you know, the greatest impact resistance and and specs, 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 because Samsung sells their phones on specs, specs, specs. If you're going to Apple to sell that exact same piece of Gorilla Glass, you're going to talk about, we can cut the corners on this thing within two thousandths of an inch. So when it goes in that iPhone case, it is going to look perfect. The little gap around the edge is going to look perfect for your customers that you care so deeply about. It's the same glass, but you're selling something different. And when you go to, you know, who's the, who's the cheap phone supplier, you know, it used to be HTC. Then you go to them and say, "I've got la- I've got the plant that made last year's glass for Apple and and that factory is still churning out glass. I can sell you glass really cheap." And so, it's the same basic product, but you sure have to sell something different once you understand your customer's business, their strategy, what they're trying to accomplish in their world.
1: Now, Totally. And here's one new perspective. Average salespeople tend to say the same sales pitch, no matter who they're in front of. Right. So what happens if my company can do five things and the major thing might be number one, the first thing I go to your company to sell you my, my company's greatest service is I sit down, I go through my spiel, I'm done. And they go, oh, well, thank you for telling me that. I didn't realize that, but we already have a contract for the next three years on that product, but give me a call in two and a half years. Love to see you again. <laughs> I go in, I look around. Now today we could only look at the digital DNA from what we see online, but you go into a person's office, You grasp all the things that make up that person and the things that are business related on their floor and you begin to size up, okay, what is this person in charge of in total? And now begin to let them talk. Begin to ask, not necessarily the questions of what keeps you up at night, but engage about oh I, I see that you also sell through distributors and how do you have any co-op programs so i'm already asking questions if my major path that i haven't gone down yet i'm already looking for other lines to connect to yeah and if the first one doesn't work well let's talk about maybe a co-op program where we can increase the utilization of those local dollars being spent
0: yeah so Steve, I I have harped on this every once in a while. I go through a a, 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 a stage where I it's my tear of the week. Um, yeah. It's not this week, but I have said it before: is that the day of the single value proposition is dead. Its value propositions, and you better understand who you're talking to before you know which of your many value propositions are the best fit for that person customers expect you to understand quite a bit about them they expect you to do a certain degree of cyber stalking because people want to tell their story to somebody who is smart they don't want to tell their story and they don't want to spend time with a sales droid
1: no and you bring up now even a I think which is one of the most important points about listening, is that as salesmen, we were all trained to respond to the literal thing, a person you know, reacts to your price, to your RFQ. Well, gee, Steve, uh, your prices were okay, you were a little bit high. Uh, okay, well, do I need to lower it? What do, what, do I gotta, what do I gotta do to get this job, right? and sometimes you get it sometimes you don't get it but the thing that I have learned is that often what you're hearing as a response is a personal resistance which has nothing to do necessarily with your offer yeah I've always sold technology I've always sold you know unknown solutions to known problems so I've the great presentations to the purchasing guy. Let's bring this up to marketing. We're going to cut your advertising costs. We're going to increase in this. And they go, "Great, this is awesome, Steve. I can't wait. Give me the PowerPoint. I'm going to send it to my boss, and he'll see it next week." And two weeks go by, and three weeks. Well, he's still in Europe, and he's going to come back on vacation, and he's got a splinter, and he couldn't come in next week. And then you begin to realize that his reason has nothing to do with the boss, but it's his personal resistance, right? In, in, in the case I'm speaking of, it had to do with they were not comfortable speaking to their boss about something they couldn't explain thoroughly, period. All I had to do was say, would you like me to make the presentation for you? I'll do it with you. Yeah two days later so Mm -hmm. it's understanding what's the resistance and that's about knowing as much as you can about the person that's about being courageous enough and meeting people to share yourself yeah if you sit there with your hands holding on to the chair you're gonna get a buyer that's gonna feel stressed If you're sharing yourself in a way that's immersive and gives them an opportunity to share themselves, this is what breaks down the barriers, begins to create some credibility. When you talk about their business and also about golf or whatever it might be before you dig in, you've now already created some very fertile soil to grow in.
0: Steve, we could keep going. Uh, We're already a little over time. So why don't you uh, go ahead and give people how to get a hold of you again? I
1: I invite you to please get a hold of me at Stephen at sdmediagrp.com or our website at sdmediagrp.com but don't phone yet. You can reach me at 646-522-1447.
0: Great. Steve, thank you. Yeah, like I say, we could keep going on and on. I really enjoy talking to you about
1: this stuff. It's all about sharing yourself, being yourself, being your authentic self, and know that when you are People want to meet you. They want to get to know you. They want to share and be your advocate. Yeah.
0: If if you add value to them, if you understand their business and show your genuine concern about their business and making them a hero, you bet. Amen. So everybody, thank you for joining us on this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast where we believe customer value only exists in your customer's mind and it's your responsibility to put value and grow value there which means your success really only happens in your customers head thanks and have a high-value day well it ain't easy values in your buyers brain if you're selling on only your features you're gonna drive both of you insane and if you ignore your customers outcomes you're bound to be Dudes, cause you'll be singing those old don't know about you this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-sweetradio.com